It's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. It's time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted. I'm Brother L. D. Azobra, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of Count Time Podcast. Today, once again, we're going to keep it real with my tigers. And I got someone here I've been knowing for quite some time. We didn't play together, but he was a true tiger from heart to heart. And he's been a friend of mine, someone that I always can go to, confidant, somebody you always trust, always got a, a listening ear. And I got my brother, Tyler LaFossa. Lafasi. Welcome to Counter. Thank you, Lyman. Look, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Oh, Talking to you, I mean, you've been one of my favorites. We've known each other for a long time. And man, look, it's it's like whenever we get together, it's just like, you know, just picking up. You know, it's not starting over. We just pick up. That, that's true. That, that, that's true. But you always that, that kind of a man. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate your friendship. I mean, look, in the days when people was talking about segregation, you know, just working with, working with other people, you ain't never had that problem. No. You've look, always treated everybody the same. I, well, look, I... I I've always felt and I've always had this in my heart that, look, I want to treat people the way I would want to be treated. You know, that's personally, whether it's a friendship or whether I was in the physical therapy clinic treating patients, I always wanted to treat people the way I would want to be treated. And that, that has kept me pretty steady for all my life. Well, you have truly, I'm here to witness it and say you have all have always practiced what you preach. Well, I appreciate that. And that's for real. Well, that, thank that's you. That's for real. You've always done that. And I, once again, feel honored just to have you. I, I called him, a, I texted him, a, what, a call or text a week ago, asked him what he do a show. He said, of course. I mean, no big deal. I, I was surprised. Like, I thought I was going to, you know, do a whole lot of talking, explaining, but you, you, no. you was opening and welcoming. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. That. Man, look, anything that I can do to help do whatever your cause is, you let me know. Uh, you have always done that. Well, I appreciate that. that. Now, we're going we gonna to talk about, you got, your life have taken so many different uh, angles, directions, and now you retired. You say you retired, I guess. <laughs> what, you call, what you call your life now? Well, look, I, I was a physical therapist for 44 years. 44 in, years. For 44 years in the clinic, and when I... When I got out about four years ago, I felt that I still had some things to contribute to people, patient care, things like that. So I'm actually doing some, some patients at home, some private patients at home that I see. You still work, in other words. A little bit, but not, not like from seven to seven. I'm not doing that. <laughs> you work on your own schedule now. That's yes, right. yes. Now, what was the clinic you worked at? Baton Rouge Physical Therapy. So you, you were one of the ones who helped start that? Well, I didn't help start it, but I got, 
I, I became a partner uh, fairly early in the late 70s and with uh, two, two other men that started it, uh, Joe Nicolosi and Francisco Guglielmo. Right. And they brought me in as well as some other, Rick Lane came in. And so the four of us actually really started um, going into more of a uh, expansion of the practice. And so we did that and brought in other people and it just blossomed and it's still going on. Uh, Baton Rouge Physical Therapy, they call it Baton Rouge Physical Therapy Lake now. They joint ventured with the Lady of the Lake Hospital. Now, now these guys, y'all was ahead of y'all time back then. That was not, I mean, there was a need for it, but it was not done, being done in, a, in that type of way. That, that is true. You know, physical therapy really took off um, after polio came about because the physical rehab part of polio patients were trying to get them strengthened, walking, things like that. So the physical therapy profession really took off, blossomed, and it has grown ever since then. Okay then, okay. And you, right out of LSU, you started, you went straight into that line of work? I did, absolutely. I went to, left Left LSU in seven, the spring of 74 and then went to physical therapy school in the summer of 74. Got out in the summer of 76 and then started working at Baton Rouge Physical Therapy in May of 1976. Now those guys, Joe and Francis. Francis. I remember those. Young yeah, yeah, you they, met they, them. Are they still around? They're still, but they're not practicing. They're, they're retired as well and they're doing well. Now, how did you get into rehabilitation at that time? You know, Lyman, when I went to LSU, I, I, I did not know what I wanted to do. Look, my, my dad drove a streetcar in New Orleans. My mama was a bank teller at a bank in New Orleans. And I, I really didn't know what I was going to do. So I went to LSU. Look, my major, when I went through the line, we had to go through the line to, to register classes. Did you have to okay, do that? Okay, that. still doing that. So I get to the end of the line and the lady says, well, you didn't put a major down there, son. What do you would declare your major? I says, I said, ma'am, I'm put my down, put me down for football. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, son, you can't do that. I said, well, that's why. Yeah, I said, well, that's why I'm here. She said, son, well, let's look at your classes. At So anyway, I wound up going into business. Then I switched to education. And then I switched to physical therapy. <laughs> but you got out all the time, though, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got out on time. and, and you did a process of elimination. A process of elimination. And it worked for you, though. Huh? Absolutely, it did. Okay, most, most guys didn't, don't know what they want to be. I was majoring in football. That's why I was at LSU. <laughs> and, and, you, and you did a heck of a job. But also, uh, what, which high school you came to? I went to De La Salle High School in New Orleans. I grew up in actually Kenner Metairie area. I had a good friend, my best friend, went to uh, De La Salle, and he was one year ahead of me. And so, you know, 
I just decided to kind of go to De La Salle. His brother went to De La Salle. And I said, well, I'm going to go too. So I went to De La Salle High School, 5300 St. Charles Avenue. So you, you had to go all the way downtown. I went to all the way downtown. Well, how did you get there today? Streetcar. Uh, buses and streetcars. From Metairie. From Metairie, Louisiana. I took the veterans bus. I took two. I took, wound up taking two buses and a streetcar to get to school every day. Going home, same ain't, thing. Ain't no mom and dad dropping you off. No, 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 no. <laughs> he was on your own. I was on my own. Look, I, I just, look, looking back, I just laughed at myself thinking, look, that was a far ways to go to, to school. You know, and when I, I, I'll just say this, that the school, De La Salle was, I'm telling you, is on St. Charles Avenue. Compared to schools like, uh, for instance, uh, East Ascension, Live Oak, you know, those are community schools. Schools in New Orleans, they didn't have that. But it's amazing. That's what's interesting to, to me is that the young men and women in New Orleans, even as a child, got to catch the ride the regular, oh. school, regular street bus, street cars to school. So at a young yeah. age, they learn how to maneuver, oh, oh, how yeah. to get around. Yeah. And to, that, that's, a, that's a great teaching and a great lesson in that to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, you were on your own. I mean, you had to transfer buses. And uh, so, I mean, it was learned. But, but you know, Lyman, I thought everybody did it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was no different. Was no big deal. And then I came up here and started doing some extra work uh, in regard to physical therapy, taking care of athletic teams and things like that. And I'm going, look, these schools, all, they have a field, right? Well, I had to take a bus to go to practice. To go to practice. To go to practice. We loaded up on a bus and we went to the Loyola baseball diamond, and that's where we practice football. It's right behind Audubon Park Zoo. That's a long ride. Yeah, I, I'm, but I thought everybody did it. <laughs> <laughs> we used to hear the lions. We, we knew practice was over when they started feeding the lions every day. <laughs> no, no, what was your mascot? We were the Cavaliers. Okay, so y'all wouldn't lie. No, 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 no. <laughs> that would have been pretty nice. If it been, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you come from a large family? No, I had actually, I had two older sisters, and then I had a younger brother that was 12 years younger than me. 12 years? Yeah, 12 years, a big difference. Okay, so all these, you still in New Orleans? No, one sister's in Nashville, one sister's in... Fort Smith, Arkansas, and my brother's in Sulphur, Louisiana. The big city of Sulphur? The big city. So oh, he, over the so bridge. he went through a few hurricanes. He, oh, my gosh. He's still having an effect of that last oh, yeah. two years ago or three years ago. It's still tough out there. I mean, it was hit really hard. I know it. But now you came to LSU, a scholarship athlete. Now, you, they, LSU, now, what, you, what position you played in high school? Well, I played both ways. In high school, everybody played both ways. Everybody now, played. Now, what position you played in high school? I played right guard, offensive right guard, and defensive uh, left tackle. Okay. Now, when, defensive tackle. Now, when you got to LSU, what happened? Well, you know, when we, I, I guess when you played in 77, 
You did y'all have freshman team back then? It was just yeah, it, 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 was the, it was the last year. Last year, so I was a freshman playing on the freshman team. Then my sophomore year, my my spring freshman uh, spring as a freshman, I was second team offensive guard behind Mike Damari, who was a senior. And I knew Coach McClendon played the second team. So I was looking forward to playing, getting a little playing time at offensive guard. Two weeks before the season, before we reported in August, Coach McClendon called me up and asked me if I would not mind playing defensive tackle. And what am I going to say? <laughs> what you going to tell a coach? Man? Yeah, what am I going to say? So. I, I said, sure, coach. So anyway, I moved and started as the right. Your sophomore year. My sophomore year. You I moved and started. I moved and started, and I played next to Ronnie Este, who was a great defensive lineman. Yeah, yeah. All-American. Oh. I mean, all-Canadian football. I mean, he was great. And so he and I played defensive tackles together. I'm 5'10 on a good day. <laughs> How much was weighing Oh, 200. Well, actually, defense, I lost weight. I was 220 back then playing defensive line. That was a good weight, though. That was a good weight for I guess so. I guess so. Now, and, but you did, you, you, you held your ear. Look, now, I, it, it, I, I just. I just believe God had his hand on me back then. It it because I I played for a coach by the name of Craig Randall. He was a perfectionist. Craig Randall. What that name is again? Craig Randall. The, he, Craig Randall. the Craig Randall. He was a perfectionist. I don't know if you remember, but in 1969, no, I don't. LSU led the nation in rushing defense. They allowed 38 yards a game rushing. 38 yards a game. Rushing. So I move over to play defensive line. Now, let me tell you, that, that Craig Randall was a perfectionist, and here I am coming. The, the defensive line that he had before me, I mean, they were 6'3", 6'2", and here I am 5'10". Well, he, you know, he, he really got on me a lot. He told me I needed to bring a box when I rush the passer to stand on the box to block the ball. <laughs> so I mean, so it, it, like oh yeah. I mean look. So anyway, I mean it was it was tough. It was tough. It was tough mentally, emotionally, because he was a perfectionist. He used to bring me and another defensive lineman, Binks Mashoda from Lafayette, out to practice early. Before, before the team got out there, me, him, and Binks would go out there and practice. And he would, he would just bring us through because we, Binks started as a defensive end and I was a defensive tackle. And, you know, it, it was an adventure. Let me put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, what year did you arrive at LSU? My first year was 1970. You, you got there a year before Laura hit I got there the year right before Laura Hinton and Mike Williams. So you, so you played the first year we didn't have any people of African descent on the team? No. 
was that a big deal at the time? No, nobody thought. I mean, no, it was. Look, we were when you signed to play with LSU, you were a football player. I mean, it was yeah. Look, we had Thylan Smith. I don't know if you remember yeah, Thylan played linebacker from East Jefferson. Richard Romaine, wide receiver. Laurie Hinton, Mike Williams. I mean, look, we were all football players. That's what period. When, they, when these guys showed up, Lord, uh, I mean, they was they was well accepted. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they were on the team. Now you on defense for for the great Coach Randall. For the great Craig Randall. No. <laughs> and he didn't cut any slack. No. And you, but you're just coming off offensive line to defense. Yeah. So you, so he got to get you up to speed, though. Apparently so. That's what. <laughs> and, you, and you're a sophomore, five ten, two hundred and twenty pound D line. Yes. Yes. But you, you held your own. I did. Let me tell you, the first game we played, I'll tell you this, I, I started defensive tackle. We played Colorado in in '71. Now look, Colorado back then, and I, I, I think they were in the Big Eight, but their conference, Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Colorado were one, two, three in the country. Well, we thought Colorado was going to come down south and, and just die in the heat. They had a great team. We were dying. They were y'all dying. Look, after that game, I was demoted to like third team defensive tackle. So the next game, I'll tell you this story. So they got somebody else, two other people in front of me, and I said, go at, have at it, big dog. So this is your first this SEC is, game. And you, no, not your first game in SEC. And you get demoted. I, I get the first, the first game of my college career. I go from first team to third team. Not second team. No. So the second game we're playing, I forgot who we were playing, but the first guy that's starting, he really messes up. Coach Randall takes him out. You remember that guy's name? I can't remember his name. So he puts the, the second team guy in there. He messes up. And then here I am. Back to, back to me. Back to Get your short little butt in there. So I wind up going in there, and I'll tell you, and you know, you know this, from your first game to second game is a big difference in how you react. You're, you've got to catch up on playing speed. I mean, it's like running full blast in control of yourself. Well, that first game, I felt I was always trying to catch up. But that second game, I got the hang of it. So I wound up starting again. Oh, right <laughs> and also, you, your feeling was hurt from the, the first game. Oh, yeah. You, you yeah. Got demoted, not the second team, but the third team. Yeah, oh, yeah. But look, it was like I was trying as hard as I could. I couldn't do anything else. So, but the second game, you felt more comfortable. In oh, position. much more comfortable. And who was the game? Who y'all played that game? I think we played Texas A&M. Oh, yeah, that's a good you know, game. but it was well. Texas A&M back then was not very good. Oh, okay. They really weren't very good. They had signed a contract with LSU where they played 10 years in a row 
in Tiger Stadium. And I guess they were trying to build their program up. And so, so A&M right then at that time wasn't very good. And we had, uh, you know, players, we were ready to play. We were ready to come back after losing against Colorado that first game. So, you know, I, I felt I, I felt much more comfortable and I caught on and from that game on, I was the starter. No question about it. Hold on, hold on. You say the star. In other words. The starter. Oh, my gosh. Not the star. Look, I'll tell you this story and not too many people know. But Ronnie Este, he was a great All-American. He was a senior player. So, Luis Cassio is our middle linebacker. He calls the play. We break. He Ronnie Este comes over to me before the opposing team comes to the line of scrimmage. He says, cover for me. I'm a stunt. I said, Ronnie, I said, we got to do what the, what the defense was called. You heard what I said, son. Cover for me. I'm a stunt. <laughs> he told you what he was going to do. Yeah. And look, he was good enough to usually make plays on a regular basis. And so what I'm going to do? I, I'm not going to bow up against him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, my my defense is my defensive experience was was an adventure. Let me put it again that way. It was an adventure. That, that, that's, I mean, I didn't realize you played defense at LSU. I had no clue about that because you went from you went from defense that second sophomore year. To start an offensive right guard. The next year. The next year. <laughs> and, and, and offensive guard, how big are you again? Well, I I'm still five ten at the best, but I I put on I was about two thirty back then as offensive guard. But you said you was me as a snake. Well, I I was I was doing everything I could to stay on the field. <laughs> but, but I mean, at five ten, two hundred thirty pounds. Offensive right guard. guard. You beat you made the first team all of America. Yes. All SEC. <laughs> I mean that's that's phenomenal. Oh it is. And look, Lyman, I I tell you right now, God gave me the abilities. He gave me the talents. I just had to put in the work. He gave me I looking back, you know, I always say this. You live your life forward, but you understand your life looking back. I look back now, and I mean, I, I, th my daddy didn't play. My mama wasn't an athlete. It was a sovereign act of God that he gave me the talents and abilities that I had. Coach Bear Bryant told me when I was being recruited by them. Hold on, hold on. Alabama recruited me. Alabama recruited me. <laughs> and he wanted to sign you. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were sitting just like me and you right here. So came down to Veterans. Well, no. I, it was my recruiting trip up oh, to Alabama. Right. So I met him in his office, and he told me back then, he, the next year they were going to the wishbone. And he told me, he says, we need people like you to block. He said... 
he said, you, you, he told me this, and literally he's the first person to say anything like this. He said, you have a lot of natural instinct ability. And I'm going, where's the paper? I'm a sign right here. <laughs> the great man Ryan. And so look, I knew in my heart that I wasn't going to go there because my parents would have never saw me play. They wouldn't have, I mean, they had, they didn't have the means to go to Alabama to watch me play. And at that time, you know, I mean, we may have been on the, on the uh, TV maybe three times a year at the most, That's right. you know? And so I knew, I knew I was going to go to LSU just because I wanted them to enjoy. No, but when did, in high school, now people, they realized that this guy is not going to grow <laughs> he, 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 he done backstop. Five ten is, is the best. Look, I, look, I, I, I'll tell you this. During my senior year, I used to go to because I was getting letters from people all over the country wanting me to come, and I so I'd ask my head coach. I said, "Is LSU said anything?" No, no. And so, who's your head coach? His name was Joe Ritano. Y'all, right? that's exactly right. So, and he said, no, Tyler. He said, no. So, all of a sudden, I get a, I get a letter from Coach Barry Wilson, that, who you know. He, oh, okay. he, he was the coach at LSU. He was from Holy Cross. And he played at LSU. He played center. And then he was coaching our freshman team. But... Uh, you know, they kind of started having a little interest in me. And so when I came back from Alabama, I, told, I knew this wasn't going to happen, but I told my mom, I said, it was such a great time going up there. I said, you know, I, I told her this. I said, you know, I may want to sign with Alabama. She gets on the phone call and co calls Barry Wilson and says, if you really want him to come, you better you better come and show some more interest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> your mama did recruit that. My mama, yeah, my mama recruited me. So anyway, and but I knew again, I knew deep down I was going to go to LSU. So that's what happened. That's how I got to LSU. But you was highly recruited. I was highly recruited, but again, my height. 510. I think that really stopped LSU from initially recruiting me. But everybody else, nobody else stopped. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have any control over it. And most people who know you would say, I just can't, I can't see how Tyler made all the miracles. He ain't got a mean, <laughs> he ain't got a mean spirit. <laughs> he ain't got a mean spirit in his body. But they say, but they say you would knock their jockstrap. Oh, well, look, man, that's why I was on the field. Hey, look, I told you this. I realized if God gave me the talents and abilities, I wanted to honor him by playing the best that I could possibly play. And that's what motivated me on the field, to practice hard, to play hard, in order for me to show appreciation, to help, uh, just to show my uh, way of thanking him for giving me those talents and abilities. I... I needed to do everything that I could on my part to be the best that I could be. And you've done that and more. 
Well, look, I was very, I was very excited. Look, I was, I am the last, somebody told me this years ago. I'm the last offensive, offensive lineman that made All-American under six feet tall. You was the last? <laughs> I was the last. <laughs> on the offensive line, under six feet tall. Now, when you made All-America, the year you, that was your senior year? My senior year. Was, there's a lot of talk about All-American that year, or that's caught you off guard? Right? Oh, no. I, I had no idea. Coach McClendon, you remember coming, Coach McClendon used to have, he used to ride to practice on a golf cart. And so one day he would, he, he motioned to me, instead of riding a bus to the practice field, he motioned to me to get in a golf cart. Oh, that was big time. That was, that was, I'm going, oh, man, I've done messed up big time now. So we get in the golf cart and we're, Mosey and I across the parking lot, over the railroad tracks, and right before we park the golf cart, he says, look, by the way, he says, you made All-American. You made Associated Press All-American. I just wanted to tell you that before it comes out. And I went, wow, that's something. And so, uh, oh, that was, that was huge. I mean, something that you... See that coming at all? No, not at all. Come on, be honest. Did you see that coming? No. That was not my thought pattern. My thought process was I was just playing to play as hard as I could, to do whatever I could, to be the best player that I could possibly be. My, that wasn't my goal. But it's amazing how many players at that time, we were just glad to be at LSU. Oh, I was too. But, but now the players had that oh. too. You ought to be, LSU ought to be glad I came here. That's exactly right. You got a whole different mindset. It is, and it saddens me. Yeah, it saddens me. It but, saddens me when it first started happening where LSU players were skipping the bowl games. That saddened me. That, that, you, that was never in our mindset when you and I played. Man, you were on the team for, for, for good. No matter what was going on, you were playing for LSU. Whether it was on Saturday nights or in a bowl, you were on the team. And so it saddens me how uh, college athletics has gone that way. But, you know. But also, I, I want to say something, too, now, because my, my dear, our dear friend, Greg LaFleur, yes. you know, he said he never had a chance to ride in a. Uh, Coach McClendon golf cart. <laughs> 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 so you, uh, you, that might hurt his feeling when he did this. Even Tyler Fossey wrote in the golf cart. Oh my gosh, brother. <laughs> Don't feel bad. About yeah, yeah, the thing about it is, man, it was like, I'm in real trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> so you weren't excited about getting to the golf cart? No, I was not. Uh, you know, I said, Coach, I can, I can walk. I mean, I can. Because yeah. you pull up to you, hey, buddy. You, you can get in. <laughs> but, yeah, but different times. and It's a different situation going on with, now with the athletes. Uh, what do you call it? NIL. Right, you know, right. They can pay the athletes now. I don't have a problem with that because that's a lot of money. I, I know, I know. A whole lot of money. You're so, right. So the, the coaches can benefit. The athletic department can benefit. So 
you know, why the players can't do it. I agree. I agree. But, you know, I personally, I think they should have structured it differently. Right. I, I do agree with that. You I, know. I think the money should go in one, one pot and divide among all the players. That's really what I think. I, I Look, I agree with you totally. That way everybody can benefit from everybody. Everybody's equal. Right. Everybody's on the team. There's no high, low, good. I mean, everybody, you're on a team. And I think, I think the concept, which you just said, should be implemented. Right. You know, that way that if, you, if you're on team, starting team, yeah, you, you, your percentage might be a high. You get an extra whatever. high percentage or whatever. You know, something like that. No, I agree, I agree with that. With, you know, a few players can get all of that's going to be a problem down the road. I can see that's happening. Oh, I agree. And it's nothing but a competition who can pay more, more money. You know, and that's that's terrible in college athletics. You know, but, you know, but when the coaches make it ten million dollars a year, it's out of the box. It's, it's out, it's, it's the Look, I remember Coach McCoy. They used to. Uh, I read this in the paper. I don't know whether it was my junior, senior years. Coach McClendon was making thirty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. A big time, did huh? Thirty-seven. Are you kidding? Oh my goodness gracious! They don't, they make that a week, a, a, uh, it's a, a day. A, it's pitiful. It's, it's it's just. It's a big business. A it's huge a huge. It's a big business. So it's no it's no longer an amateur sport. No, there's no yeah. question about it. And that's why the NCAA probably is uh is going along with everything because they benefit more than anybody. I know it. So nobody, they don't want to show their hand either. You're right. Because how much money are they making? Yeah, it's it's a business for them too. Yeah, you know, in the SEC, it's a business for them. Look how they expanded and they're trying to, I mean, they want to be the super conference of the nation. And they are right now. They are right now. Long keep Alabama. <laughs> well, yeah, and look what they added. Oklahoma, Texas in a, in a year or two or whatever it is. I mean, goodness gracious. So it's going to be, so the SEC is going to be the only dominant force, and all of the players going to end up, the big time players going to be in that conference. I agree. From the way I mean, the way it is now, that's, look, you look at the players coming out of the SEC, how many sign in this and that, they're dominating now, you know, and it'll be more so in a couple of years. Now, what you think about our new coach we got over here at LSU this year? You know, <clears throat> I I think he I I think he comes across as somebody that is significantly organized. I feel he looks, um, you know, like he's got a grasp of what needs to happen to bring LSU to that level that they were at. I think everywhere he's gone, he's been a winner, and I don't see any difference now. I, I think he, he feels he's, he's got the potential to get significantly more athletes than he did where he was prior to now. So I, I think he's solid. I think he's solid. But that was a good decision on, on behalf of... I think so. Wood, Wood, I do. I think so. I mean, look at the people he's brought in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I. You look at the basketball, the women's basketball, at the baseball, 
and you know the uh, men's basketball we'll see what happens but you know to to come and lose all your scholarship players when you come are you kidding and look what he's done he's he's retained some of these and he's brought in which apparently looks pretty substantial so we'll see we'll see what happens now let's get back to you and your when you move from defense and in your sophomore year right now did you ask them to go play go back on no offense? no apparently they um they had recruited some players that they felt could step in and they moved some other people around and so it was like would you like to go back to offense uh not no but hell hell yes not yes but hell yes <laughs> you, you, was, you was more comfortable on offense. i was more comfortable because of my height look I thought it was a significant advantage, my height on offense. Lyman, I couldn't see where the ball was when I played defense. Everybody I played against was so much taller than me. But what happened was, when I was on defense, because I played both ways in high school, and I was pretty successful in high school as offense and defensive player, because I played that way, I, I understood, and I did have some instincts about what the guy, the offensive guard, was going to do. The way he lined up. The way his hand position. The way his feet was. And sometimes, I'm telling you, sometimes in Tiger Stadium, when I was playing defensive line, I could actually hear the play from the opposing team. And so... I, hold on, hold on now. You, now say that again. It wasn't as loud back then as it is now in Tiger Stadium. I could hear the quarterback at times, not, not all the time, not, not a lot of times, but sometimes I would hear the play, and I was trying to listen. <laughs> and so I... You had to get the advantage some kind of way. Oh, I was trying to get the advantage every, every way so, I what, could. What do you call that? Telepathy? What do you call it? Oh, I, look, I, that's beyond me. <laughs> but but I, was, I was trying to use everything that I had. But, but you, you, at the line of scrimmage, and you can actually hear the quarterback give the play. I would actually, at times, not, 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 time. a, not, a, not on a regular basis. But enough to. To know. Well, I knew as an offensive lineman, usually the even and odd and, you know, and it's this. I feel I knew that it was going to be a run, whether it was run to the right, left, you know, and I knew it was going to be a pass. Look, but I, like I said, everybody I played against when I was playing defense was bigger and taller than me. I, again, instinct. Man, a lot of, I, like, like I said, I... I could not see where the ball was, <laughs> where the ball was grow, going. Look, they had one time we were playing, we were playing Mississippi State, and the, their offensive line comes. The offensive left guard was like six three, six four. Now the offensive left tackle 
was like 6-1. So, I mean, Mississippi State back then wasn't very good. So they come to the line of scrimmage and I said, hey, would y'all mind switching? <laughs> No, hold on, hold on, hold on. You you asked those two. I said, would y'all mind switching oh, because of his height? Yeah, because no, yeah. no, yeah, oh, he was almost even in that. Yes, yeah. It was a little harder for you. <laughs> so you want to play against the bigger guy? Can you get under here? Well, no, I wanted to play against the smaller oh, guy. Oh, they, yeah. the, the right, the, the left tackle was shorter than the left guard. So I told, I said, would y'all mind switching? <laughs> They just looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> What's his problem, buddy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, at that time, you know, y'all traveled on bus or y'all traveled airplane? Most of the time we traveled on a plane, but, but sometimes we'd go on buses. Like when we play Tulane, we travel on a bus. Right, What um, about Mississippi, y'all? No, we, we flew. Y'all flew we, now, back then, I don't know if y'all were playing, but most of the time we played Ole Miss and Mississippi State in Jackson, Mississippi. So we played, um, I mean, it was such a short flight, but we'd play Ole Miss and Mississippi State in Jackson instead of playing at their home uh, yeah, field. Yeah, we were still playing there, too. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But uh, now, you switched from defense your sophomore year going into your junior year right uh, when you say coach had got a few more better players for defense right who, who were some of those players you remember Steve Cassidy was one oh, okay. he Steve was a great defensive lineman okay. out of Tara High School here in Baton Rouge so they were, I was recruited, recruited locally at that oh time. yeah they they recruited I think they recruited three or four plays off Tara's team. They won the state championship. I, I know it was three. It could have been four. Okay. So now when they move you to offense. Right. So now you played offense of junior and senior year. Correct. And you, who's your quarterback at that time? Well, my junior year was Burt Jones. You played under Burt Jones? Uh-huh, yeah. You played Bird Jones. I played Bird Jones. Yeah. So you had a chance to block for the great ball. I, I blocked. I heard that ball whistle over my head many times like a rocket. So he really threw the ball that hard. He really threw the ball that hard. And then uh, my senior year, Mike Miley was our quarterback out of East Jefferson High School. Now, at the time, did you, did you, was was Bert an All-American when you got there? Uh, Bert had just, I think he made All-American his, uh, his senior year. Um, but his junior year, I, I am not sure. Because, you know, Coach McClendon used to platoon quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And... My junior year, Bird Jones was a quarterback, but Paul Lyons was also. Paul Lyons was more of a runner option type player, smaller, you know, could run the ball great. Bird Jones was more of a passer, so they would they would exchange. I mean, they substituted Coach McClendon substituted Bird Jones and Paul Lyons. Uh. Looking at it from your perspective, what you would have done at that time? What y'all what, what y'all was thinking at? You know, 
to be honest, I'd have let Bird Jones throw the ball 20 times a game. He was that good. But if we threw the ball six, seven, eight times, ten times a game, that was a lot. So Bird Jones really was not, LSU was not a good place for Bird Jones. Well, you know, I'm glad Bird Jones went to LSU. <laughs> <laughs> because they, they weren't the throwing team. They, wasn't, they weren't throwing the ball like Bird Jones could have thrown the ball. Just let me put it that way. Yes. Of course, you know, Bird Jones, his, his, uh, in 1971, Bird Jones had Andy Hamilton, who was a receiver. That was a great combination. Uh, I think if Bird Jones had uh, people like Andy Hamilton throughout his career, possibly would have thrown the ball more, you know. But it, it to me, it just wasn't. It, it it was more of an offensive running attack that Coach McClendon had his philosophy on, and we were going to do it. So, at that time, as an offensive lineman, you had to dig in every play. Every play. Look, we'd go into halftime, and we'd be, it would be a close game. And, you know, sometimes I felt like we should be throwing more. We'd go in there, and Coach McClendon would come to the offensive uh, lineman group and say, fellas, fellas, we're going to go back to basics. Hell, what do you think that meant? We're going to run the ball down their throat. Uh, did y'all have the quality of running backs at that time? Oh, yeah. We had great running backs. My, my uh, senior year, we had uh, Brad Davis, Steve Rogers. I mean, we had good running backs. Yeah, we had good running backs. But they still was going to throw the ball. I mean, he was throwing the ball until... Oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna run the ball. You know, it was almost like, and I heard this, and I, I, you know, when you throw the ball, three things can happen, and two are bad. <laughs> 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 that was almost the philosophy. So he was gonna take, but he wanted to run the ball. That, the that was the way I felt, and <laughs> that was the way yeah, I as felt. As an offensive lineman. What do you start thinking when you when you say, "Well, dog, we need to throw the ball because now we moving the ball, we got them off, you know, off guard. Now we can take some chances, right?" Look, I I was so Lyman. I mean, I felt that way, but I was so focused in the game that I didn't think that way during the game. It was like. I was so focused on what I needed to be doing, you know, what you need to be doing. whatever, whatever plays call, I need to be doing that. So I wasn't thinking about, the, you know, this and that. I'm, I'm like, tell me, tell me where the play is. At, at that now, also, your 5'10", 230 pounds serve you well on offense. Oh, line. absolutely. Because you would get under those big guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what was your strategy at that time? My strategy was to put my face mask in their breastplate, in their sternum, and drive their sternum back into their spinal cord. 
That's what my philosophy was. That's coming from this bad Christian man, godly man. That's, I mean, that's what the way, I mean, that's what had to happen. You saw David. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That ain't the title of But that's, that's the way you needed to be on the field. Yeah. You just got to stare at Dude, watch that expression. Y'all should have saw the expression. Yeah. He was serious. That's, look, that's the way... It was either, you know, I needed to do my job. And I felt if I did my job, I was contributing to the success of the play. So that's what I was going to do. That's how that was everything. <laughs> so, now, after the game, these big offensive linemen, they would come shake your hand. What oh, they, yeah. What did they say to you? Oh, good game. I mean, it was, you know, it, it was... You know, back then, Lyman, it was respect. It was respect for the game. You didn't have, you know, all this trash talking. I mean, everybody, everybody respected each other, I feel, after the game. Because, you know, we felt we went out there and we played against each other. And the outcome was the outcome. As long as, as, long as you play to the best of your ability, you've got to just take the game as it was. I'll tell you, when I was playing, particularly in the early years, I used to, and you, I'm sure you did this too, you would get in bed and now you would replay the game oh, yeah. over and over in your head. And, you know, you always focused on those plays that you didn't do so well. I did, I know at least. And so I came to realize early on, and I, I thank God for this, that I realized that if I would go out there and practice as hard as I could and prepare for the game as hard as I could and play as hard as I could, then I'd be at peace with myself because there was nothing else more I could do. And that gave me, that gave me the incentive, the motivation, again, to practice hard, to play hard. But when I realized that and I walked off the field, I was at peace, man. It was nothing more else I could do. And so that's how I played. When did you get to that part in, the, in your heart, in your spirit, when you said, oh, I can play on this level? You know, that's, that's the hardest, that's, that's that's for the player. Every player got to get this. I can play on this level. When did yeah, that really yeah. I mean, it was after that second game when I played defense. Yeah, I mean, look, I did not start playing football until I was a sophomore in high school because I was always too big to play in playground football. When I went to De La Salle, yeah, I had to. I couldn't play because you had to sit out. Well, as I was out of there. Being too big. Being, to not being big enough. Well, they, <laughs> yeah. Well, when I when I when I went to De La Salle, I had to sit out because I was going out of the district. And so, really, first time I started playing was my sophomore year. So I was every year I felt more comfortable. Every year I felt more. So 
really, I really started maturing in my play when I was at LSU. So when I, when, after I had reality check my sophomore year playing defense, it was like, yeah, I can, I, I'm getting better at this. So we played on the freshman team. Right. That helped a whole lot. What, yeah. what was it you played on the freshman team? I played offensive guard my freshman year, but shoot, we only had like five or six games. You're right. You didn't play that many freshmen. No, no. And a lot of players were bad too because players wanted to play. Yeah, I, I know. And the thing about freshman team is that, look, our role as freshmen was to practice against the varsity. So we never really practiced as a freshman team. You know, we would probably the day before the game, which would be on a Friday, we'd get together as a team. <laughs> And run plays, and then the next day we'd play a game. Nobody all played the, the same team that the that the, uh, the varsity was playing. Not necessarily, no, okay. not necessarily. So we just had to go find a game. Yeah. We'd have to find games. But, but at that time, we had a lot of freshmen. Yeah, yeah. Most people, most play were playing professional ball. Did, did y'all travel a lot to go play freshman? Oh yeah, I mean we traveled to Mississippi State. Uh, you know. I, you know that that right there. From what I, you bring that up, that's the only travel that we did. We went to Mississippi State, Starkville, Mississippi. Oh, y'all went on a bus. Oh, we went on a bus. <laughs> you didn't fly no. No, you know the thing I remember about that game, that that trip, is that we went to see the movie Patton the night before. That was great. I was excited. No, I was I was excited. <laughs> so that got y'all fired. It got me fired up. Uh, so with, uh, let's go through your so now your sophomore year, your junior year, offensive right guard. Right. And you played against these big guys, but it didn't even matter. No, no, I was. You know, you know, take them down to your level. I was that. I was. I was quicker than them. And aggressive. I was more aggressive because that was my t advantage. Absolutely. So you had, you had good upper body strength and leg strength? Yes. I mean, when you look at my rib cage compared to my pelvis, I'm about that. I'm about maybe three or four inches. So, I mean, compact. I'm like compact. compact. Yeah. And that gave me a lot of strength. So, so you came off the ball hard. That was my advantage. I was like, I wanted to be shot out of a cannon. That's my, <laughs> that was my goal. <laughs> I knew where I was going, and I wanted to get there. Tom, with Tom, you take this too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I knew where I was going, and I wanted to get there before them. And that's I. When I made contact, I wasn't getting off. That that was to my advantage. So, uh, so that was time when you caught them guys on an angle. So that was really to your advantage. You, oh, absolutely. You caught them moving. Yes. In a direction. Yeah. So, so you, because you was already there. You kept I was moving. there. Yeah, I was there. You know, pass block, and I love to pass block. You know, now, that, that, now, now being your height. Oh yeah. So how how was that advantage at pass block? Well, you know, I I could get under and I could uncoil on them and when I would get under them 
they wasn't getting around me. I mean, if I made contact, okay, then, and it depends. If they were coming straight at me, you know, that was great. Now, if they did a stunt or something like that, it was different. But, um, you know, I, I just needed, I just needed some kind of contact and I, it was like glue on paper. So you were able to stick with your blood? I was. No, with, the, with the guys these days, with the, with how, LJ, LJ, what do you remember? LJ, LJ, how's the word? LJ, you know, they can, Al, yeah, yeah, yeah. They can move they quicker. Yeah, yeah, the agile. Agile, agile. Yeah. You, you think that it didn't matter? You can still do the same thing today too. If you with those guys. I I think oh, it's a different game. It's a different game right now. Uh, you know, I look I look at what's going on with defenses right now and offenses. You, they, I mean, on the goal line, and you've seen this. I mean, on the one yard line, that I've seen teams pulling the guards. I mean, are you kidding me? I, so it's a different game. I don't know how I would do in this game. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But you know, uh, it, it was. I'd like to play with Joe Burrow. <laughs> I'd like to block for Joe Burrow. Why would you like to block for Joe? Well, look, this this guy has got instinct, and he's a winner, and he excludes confidence. And man, that was that was that that is something the intangible, and that's what I think that team had the intangibles to win no matter who they played. And that's what they did. Of course they had talent, but other teams had talent too. Mm -hmm. And so, but I, it's a different game, a different game today. The quarterback definitely makes a team. I think the quarterback is a big advantage of what's going on. The quarterback right now, you know, when you, when you look at what they have to face when they come to the line of scrimmage, they, they're probably three or four things deciding in their mind before the ball is snapped. I would think the way defenses have disguised and, you know, how they, they play. And that's why I think Joe Burrow is so successful. He can do that. He, 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 he's excellent at reading. I think play. so. He, he see what's going on. He, he adjusts exceptionally well. I think so. And, and I think, you know, you want the person, you know, on your team that will give you the advantage. And that's what I think he's, he's done and he's doing. So, but I don't know. I don't know how I would come against these. I mean, these guys are so huge. I mean, they're huge. Not, not just being anymore. They're huge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you see... Uh, we call that inside linebacker. Look like a defensive linebacker. Oh, my gosh, man. Look, and, and, you know, I'll tell you this story. It's a funny story. We were, Coach McClendon had a, uh, it was a great program. I still think it goes on today. It was a Coach McClendon scholarship program. Oh, yeah. And so once a year, they would, they would take 
the uh, players who had children on scholarship and they would bring the parents on the field. And so we were out there and we were in, in the end zone and it was the time where Andrew Whitworth was playing at LSU. And so the offensive linemen, were, they were warming up in the, uh, in the end zone and the parents of the players were behind the end zone. Well, Andrew Weaver, they had his back to me. He was looking in the field and I looked at him. I couldn't believe it. He was so tall and his legs were so high. And I told my wife, Linda, I said, look, take my picture. So his back, I'm, his back was to me. I walked up to him. I could literally walk through his legs. He was that tall. I was, I was probably about three or four, maybe five inches from walking through his legs. He's not a basketball player, he's a football player. This is a football player, offensive lineman. But his legs were so tall. So today, players are so big, who knows? I mean, in the NFL, not recruiting you unless you're 6'6". Oh, I know. Six, seven, I, mean, you know. I know. I know. There ain't no question about it. Did, they don't even look at you. Did you get a shot to play in the NFL? <sighs> they had... I got drafted in the, by the World Football League, Houston. And, you know, at that time, believe it or not, I mean, the, the, the draft was the... The week or two after I got accepted in the physical therapy school. So they drafted me, they called, and I told them, I said, I appreciate you drafting me, but I'm going to go to physical therapy school. But you lost interest, or you wanted to just play the NFL? Well, I knew, look, I played in all star games after, you know, we played our season, and, you know, I played in the All American Bowl in Tampa, Florida, and these guys were so huge, but then, which <laughs> is, you know, look, I, I knew then that my future wasn't in professional football. I, I may be able to go with them, but long lasting, that wasn't my future. So I just, I just. So you came to that Oh, it was, it, it was, it was evident. It was evident. So when you, when you, when you went to, where y'all played the All-Star game? At? Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Florida. What, what was the name of that game again? The, uh, it was the All-American Bowl. All-American Bowl, okay. And you lined up with the top players in the country. Yes. And you saw where you fit and where you, how you match up. And that's, you, you say in reality, sit in for you. Look, I knew, I, I could play with them but I knew I couldn't play long-term with them. It was just, it was just, it was just not in the cards. I mean, I was the shortest man on the team. In fact, we, me and two guys from Penn State, we had, because we played in the Orange Bowl that year, we were late a day or two going to the practices. So we flew from Miami to Tampa. We got picked up. They brought us to practice field. We got dressed. They, the Penn State guys, played on one team. The one team I played on the other team. So I run out on the field, 
And I asked the manager as I was going, so where are the offensive linemen? He says, they're over there. So I go over there. They just happened to be having a break. They huddled up. So I run over there. I, we just have shorts and shirts and helmets. So I'm over there and I'm standing. And all the, uh, I'm on the outside skirts. The coach is talking in the middle. A guy looks at me and says, look, the backs are over here. I said, no, man, I'm an offensive guard. He says, oh, okay, you're in the right place. Is that the player I told you that? Yeah, the player. He was an offensive lineman. We were huddled up. So he thought you were a back. He thought I was a running back because I was so short. <laughs> I knew my, my fate was sealed. When another one of your, your counterparts told you that. <laughs> I knew it was over. I guess, what did you think? Like, man, I'm an offensive lineman, too. I said, yeah, I said, I'm an offensive lineman. Did you get attitude? No, I mean, look, I understood that I was short. But, you know, the funny thing about it is I wound up starting over that guy. You what? You kidding? No. I was, look, I got there. They had me starting at right guard. And then they wanted me to learn the plays for the left guard. So I would, I didn't come out the game. I played right guard, and some series I'd play left guard, and so. But I knew it was, I was done with that after. I mean, I mean but you started in the, in the bowl game. I, I did, but you started in the bowl game. I know it, but I knew longevity-wise that I could not play on a long-term basis. I, I just knew it. I knew what it took. To play in the professionals, they played more games. You're always playing somebody. I mean, look when you go, when you go from high school to college, that's a big talent difference. When you go from college to the professional, that's a big talent jump. And so I understood that. So you knew every week, every week was going to be a dog fight. Oh, every week, man. And then when I got accepted into physical therapy school, it was like. Look, back then, they only accepted 10 boys and 10 girls into the physical therapy class. And I was one of those 10. And so, man, this was my opportunity, so that's what I did. <laughs> uh, do you think about it? You wish you had done one year? No. Not no, not at all. You, you glad you took the Oh, my you gosh. I'm right here with you because I went to physical therapy school. <laughs> Now, making all America, that's not something that's, that's very few of uh, any college. Athlete. Oh, I know it. I, I agree. That some years a team have no all America. Right. So, I mean, so to be an all America at offensive right guard on the LSU team in 1973 or 73? 73. 73 season. Did, what was that honor like? Did, did they take pictures at the time of all of all y'all? Oh, yeah, I was on the Bob Hope Show. Sure. I'm the Bob Hope Show in you New gotta, York you City. Say, you did the great Bob Hope. <laughs> I did. Now, what was that like? Oh, look, Bob Hope was an icon. I mean, I, I saw Bob Hope, you know, he had a show on TV and. He was, he was somebody who would entertain the troops. And man, so I had a lot of respect for him. And so it was great. We had, a, we had a good time. He was very personable. 
And, uh, you know, for a long time, he used to send me a Christmas card every year for a long time. And, uh, you know, it kind of faded a little bit, but, he, you know, he, it, was, it was a great experience. I mean, to be on the great bio so that I was, know. That was major. It was major. Well, country it, boy coming out of Metairie, Louisiana. Oh, man, in New York City. New York City. Look. We, got, we, I know you got a picture with, with, your, with the, uh, a picture of the All-American that year. You know, I don't know if I have a picture of that. But, but y'all didn't play a game or anything. Oh, else. no. No, no, no. That was just an honor. Now, who some of the guys on the uh, All-American? Some of the guys that I remember, John Capaletti, who won the Heisman Trophy. He, and let me tell you a story about that. One, one set, we were on the set, kind of doing the show. You know, for that short period of time we were on the stage, took all day to do. So during the day, you know, we'd just be talking amongst us. And so we had a group of guys talking. And then somebody came to Capaletti and said, a man needs to, to see you over here. So he left our group goes over there, talks to the guy, comes back, and we asked him, said, what do you, what do you want? Well, he said, uh, he, he told me I just won the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> back then, they didn't have that big ceremony they have now. So somebody come tell you then. Somebody told him. So he didn't know until at, at the Bob He Hope didn't show. know until the Bob Hope Show. You know what he did excited or what? No, he, he was just a, a great guy, just average guy. But just, that had to be pretty exciting for the players to be with something, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. The Heisman Trophy was, was the award, you know. Yeah, that was cool. But, by, uh, you know, I remember Capaletti. I remember Lynn Swan was on that team. Randy White was on that team. Tony Dorsett was on that team. The All-American team. The, the All-American Associated Press, All-American team. The other guard was a, was a guy from Alabama. I, I forgot his name. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so those are the guys. Those are some how, of the guys. How, how many guys make the All-American team? 20, 20, yeah, 22. 22? Yeah, yeah you, got Ten, you got 11 on offense, 11 on defense. And did they pick a few alternates? I, I don't think so. I don't remember. Yeah, I, don't, Lyman, yeah, I, don't, I can't remember either. I think they might have picked maybe one ultimate author. Uh, I don't. I don't. You know, defense and offense. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. So just twenty-two, but that was a major. Oh, major it was huge. It was huge. I mean, New York City. I had never. Look, the only time I went out of state was when we played games. So I had never really been out of the out of the state. Except for with football, so they take us to they take us to this hotel, and I, and then we had some extra time. I said I ain't getting off this street. I'm going. I'm going out of the hotel. I'm going left, and I'm coming back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was you couldn't see sunlight. I mean, the buildings were so tall. Of course. I mean, it was huge. But you grew up around New Orleans, where you got to New Orleans is nothing like New York yeah, City. No. So it was a whole new world. Like it was it, a comfortable scene. For it you. was a new world. Yeah. I mean, when I first went to New York, like those back areas where you see those uh, the trains. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Those elevator yeah, trains. Yeah, that's like. 
kind of like you saw the, in the mafia movie. Yeah. You know, that's like a bad Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 eerie feeling it's like, man, they really are. <laughs> this really is happening. <laughs> Did y'all ride the... No, subway. we never. No, we didn't do the subway. They just, they just brought us to the NBC studios and and back. We went to the Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, he had a comedy show, so we went there. Yeah, we went there. That was pretty cool. And he was actually there, so that was cool. But that was like a one day event. That was it. Yeah, it was like you, you know we we went, we went. Um, we went to his show. We went that day. We that night we went to his show. The next day we filmed, and then we after the show we you've just flew to your hometown. That was it. That was it. No, that that's exactly it. But now, now everything is, requires a whole lot more. Oh, I'm sure it I mean, is. But, but that was still that was a big. Oh, that was huge. And, and to be at LSU now, when you go there and I see, and I, I be saying, I keep forgetting Tyler made all of America. <laughs> You know, got that wall up. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Then it became the Playboy All Americans after that. Oh, they had, they had. Oh, that, uh, that was going. They had a different. Yeah, they had a different. They Playboy All American. Tommy Casanova made that. That's what I wanted to make. They, they had the Kodak. Uh, it might have been the Kodak Playboy. I can't remember. They had uh, the UPI, the United Press, AP. Uh, Kodak, and I, they only had three or four All-American teams back then. I, I can't remember which one I made. I don't remember which I, one I mean, one. yeah, and I know you made some because you were a great player. Oh, I can't remember which one it was. I know, now, I, I know. know. I didn't make the, the Playboy All-American. I was mad because all the guys, when I saw this, when I, when I ran into the guys, we, uh, at the first combine we went to was in Dallas, Texas. Uh huh. And that year they had, you know, uh, that was called a, a lot of li a lot of the linebackers, uh, Ricky Jackson, Mike. Oh Singletary, wow. E. J. Junior, Hugh Green. Wow. On and on, all these guys, and all of all these guys. No, all, I don't think Rick, but most of them had made uh, Lawrence Taylor. They had made the Playboy all of them. Wow. And they was, you know, there was Hugh Hefner. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. All this big deal. That was, you know, like. Uh, that was big time. Yeah, man. Y'all did all I that. I wish I'd have won that. <laughs> Y'all did all that. So all, all that was a great thing. That's the one thing about playing college sports, in particular football and the game that we played. It exposed us to a whole lot more. It's a new world. Than what you do a couple of small Oh, time. my gosh. Absolutely. You know, just, just the way it, where it takes you to, where you get a chance to play at. You, you know, you, like I remember we went to the Grand Ole Opera. Wow. That was major. Like, you know, yeah. Like, man, we going to the Grand Ole Opera. Isn't that great? I mean, that was, that was, that was, that was big, huge. That was big time. Yeah. Opera. You know, because you saw that on TV, you know. At, uh, sure. All your life. Yeah. Well, what thing that, that show was again that, uh, that came on TV? Uh, Hee-haw? Hee-haw. <laughs> so, so that whole crew was there. Oh wow! Well, that, that's a great experience. I mean, I, 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 never, I didn't think I would enjoy it, right? But oh, I truly, truly yeah, enjoyed that. absolutely. So, so those are kind of things that you know, playing college football on that level, and you know, just in the in the in the guys that you meet, the relationship that you build, right, a lifelong relationship. Sure. You know, 
everybody. Absolutely. You know, like guys, you play with LSU, you still, oh, you yeah. know, still talk. You still sure. So who who was some of the who was your friends back then? Oh gosh, Warren Capone and I were them together. And Warren was an All-American linebacker. David DeVincini, Tom Ganey, Jim Ganey, uh, Chip Miller. I mean, guys that I still talk to today, you know, uh, I see Mark Lumpkin a lot, you know. Are you playing with Mark? Mark was uh, the kicker like that for, I think I was a... Uh, uh, I don't know if he was our sophomore. I think he was the sophomore. When I played defense, he was the kicker for the offense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, I think he was the last straight-on kicker at LSU. Then Juan Roca, who was a soccer-style kicker, was after him. Yes. Okay, yeah, because Mark still do that big event once a year. He does yes. a great job. Yes. We appreciate you, Mark. Yes. For, you know, for looking out for a lot of the particularly I, older guys. Absolutely. A lot of the older guys, keep it going. Absolutely. And uh, now, is there, is there any activities that a lot of the players do? Like, y'all do any kind of like activities? You, you're not a golfer. You don't play golf. I don't play golf. You, you, what, what, you don't have hobbies. I never see you at any type of. I, I don't play golf. Look, when I was a freshman, guys said, look, come on, love, we're going to go to, you know, they had the little course on Nicholson, you know, so I went, you know, and I hit a golf ball and it went on the Nicholson and hit a car. <laughs> that was my golfing career. I stayed away from that. I mean, I just didn't do it. I didn't. What, didn't. You fish, huh? Um, you know, recreationally, no, I, I don't. I never I'm, know you to, no, to get it. No, like, I played racquetball a lot on a regular basis. Oh, you do? Okay. Well, I used to. I used to. Oh, yeah. And and so I go to the health club, you know, a lot. And, uh, you know, try to, try to do things, uh, you know, at the health club, things like that. Now, I thought you'd have been, you know, you got, them, you got them big, strong hands. You'd have been a great chiropractor. Well, I mean, as a, as a physical therapist, you have, uh, you do do manual techniques on people and things like that. And so, yeah, I mean, my, my hands were, my hands were tools, basically. So, in that area of field that you didn't know where you was going, you went to, you tested two or three other areas of majors until you decided to go into the... You know, Marty Broussard, he used to be the trainer, and I talked. You, had, you talked to Marty? Oh, yeah. You didn't talk to him, so he just hollered. Uh, yeah, yeah hollered for whatever people. reason, he really took a liking to me, and he was very, very kind. And, you know, he steered me into that profession, and... I look. I went for it, and man, what a blessing it it has been, and still is now today. Man, Marty Bruce. Marty Bruce. Mentored you into going into yes, into physical therapy. That's exactly right. Man, that's pretty interesting. I never known him to to, to actually have conversation with you. Yeah, and I, I, I just what you said. I feel blessed because he did take an interest in me. For, for whatever reason. Because you, you knew nothing about that area. That's why I no. was thinking, how did you get into that? Field? No, no. And, and like we said before, physical therapy was just starting to grow legs. 
during that time. And LSU Medical School uh, just started a physical therapy program in New Orleans at the LSU Medical Center. You mean in 2022? No, no, no. At that in, time? In, yeah, at that time, in 76. They had just started. I think I was the third class. How long did, did it take then to do? Well, we went, we went from uh, the summer of 74 of straight through the summer of 76. Took two years. Two solid full years. It's the same thing now. Or they more, it's more now, now I think they have boosted that profession to a doctorate program. So yeah, it's longer. So to uh, to do it, but you come out a doctorate instead of a bachelor of science physical therapy. Is the money that big big of a difference or not really? Uh, so they just they keep you in school long and make money off of you. It's it's, it's the status of the doctorate program, you know. LSU LSU had to keep up with all the other physical therapy programs around the country, and everybody was going to the doctorate program. So LSU had to had to strive to do that, and they did. And how long have they been doing the doctorate? Program? Oh gosh. I would say probably uh, going on 10 years now, probably. And how long that process takes? Oh, it takes longer now to go through everything that you go through because you have to get a Bachelor of Science first and then you go into the doctorate program. And that's another so, four years? Um, you know, it may be another two years, maybe another two and a half years, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yes. So all what's called physical therapists. Physical therapists are gonna be Doctor. doctors now. Yes. 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 So would you still encourage young men and women to go into that field? You know, I I think that uh look, if you are if you have the personality and you care about people um, yeah, that's a great profession because you'll always have a job, you know. Everybody, look, as we get older or even, you know, people need help to get back as soon as possible and as safe as possible. So they need some direction, absolutely. And so, yeah, I would, I would, I would absolutely steer people if they're really interested in it, yes. That's a commitment. It's a serious commitment. It ain't like it used to be where you can go do it for two years, come back, if I don't like it, I can go do something else. But it's what, a serious commitment. Once you make this commitment, it's like... This is your life. Yes. It, call, it, it costs you too much now. Yeah. To, to not. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and... You know, I, I am so thankful, I keep telling you this, but I'm so thankful that I came up when I did, you know, because it just kind of flowed. I got accepted. Uh, you know, when, when I decided to go into physical therapy, uh, you know, I knew that I had to commit to it just like I did football. So I would... 
because I, I had to raise my grade point uh, from what it was to in order to get in. I mean, 10 boys and 10 girls, that's what they took. So I, need, I, I knew I needed to be competitive. So I started studying. I, I studied every night except Friday night and Saturday night of the game. I used to go, you know, they had those uh, study halls in, down in Broussard Hall. I used to go to study hall every night. So you couldn't go to the prayer bowl or those kind of things. Um, I went to the prayer bowl. You won't become a good student. Uh, I went to the prayer bowl. <laughs> Where did y'all have the prayer bowl at back then? Oh, back then. I mean, the, the original one went down uh, uh, Highland Road at all, the, at all the bars right there. So um, it wasn't one spot? Oh, no. We went from place to place. In fact, back then, the police would stop the traffic and allow us to go through the streets to play. <laughs> yeah, look, there was no social media back then, brother. Thank, <laughs> thank God. So, now, but what was it? That was the, the what, what, they, what the club name? White Horse? That was the White Horse. I think it started in the White Horse and then went to the Tiger and to two, the three. Tiger and White Horse right next to each other. Yeah, they're across the street. Okay. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they took both of them down. Oh, they did. Yeah, they took oh, both of them down. That's good. <laughs> good for them. <laughs> yeah, Y'all did some damage over there. Oh, man. So from, the, from, the, from the White Horse to the, to the Tiger. And then by that time, it was time to go home. <laughs> Did y'all go across the street to that? That, that, that was more sophisticated club. Yeah, across the street. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, oh, we didn't. We didn't handle that. That was uh, gosh. What was the name of that place? It's kind of big place. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know which place you talk. The yeah. Commonwealth was it? The Common. It was. They had an upstairs to it, I right? Across the street. That's all I know. Oh, I don't. I don't know. But look, I'm glad me and you are sitting right here <laughs> and alive to talk about it. <laughs> I would have thought you would be at the Prairie Perry Bowl knowing that you could Oh, be, we were the original Perry Bowl. What year? I thought it started before you. No, no. I, it might have been my freshman year. Hold on, hold on. Now, you got to give us some history. Well, the, the only thing I know is like Boyd Perry, who was the organizer, okay? After that. Oh, Boyd Perry. Boyd Perry was. It started. Boyd Perry so that's was. Where the, that's where the word Perry. <laughs> that, 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 these <laughs> guys don't know him. You got to give some history. Okay, Is that still going on now? Oh, you didn't come to the last two prayer bowls? No, I didn't know they still had it. No, no, no. What the guys are doing uh, every, the last two summers, uh, Daryl Day. Uh, Daryl Day. And. Uh, Father Dave out of uh, uh, out of uh, St. Martin, Baptiste, but the prayer bowl is what they do, they have it at the, at the, at the site. You was out there huh, for that? When they, invite, when they invite all the players out there to the prayer bowl, when mm -hmm. Coach, Coach Stovall showed up. Jimmy Field. It was a couple of months ago. No, I didn't get a notice for more for it. Oh, hold on, man. You 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 one of old guys, so you got to. I'm telling you, I didn't know Boyd anything Perry's about. Boyd Perry still around? Yeah, Boyd Perry's in Baton Rouge. And he don't know about it. I don't know if he. I don't know if he knows what's going on. Wait, we need to let. Boyd Perry 
Yeah, you know. So that, that, give a story. Give us a story. Well, I mean, he he said, "Okay, we're we're gonna go." I, it was after our last game. It was the Monday after the last game. That's that's when it started. What, what year was that? Oh gosh, it was probably it was either 1970 or 1971. No, no, Brad Davis. Brad Davis was he brought he came in Bruce O'Hara with a hog's head. A hog's head. So he had to. Be, so it must have been in '71. I, I didn't do this, Brad. I didn't listen to you. He came. It must have been in '71. Brad. Or when, whenever his, whenever his freshman. You talking about Doctor Brad Davis? Doctor Brad Davis, <laughs> orthodontist. Yeah, he came in with a horse head into Bruce Ardahaw. A, a pig's head. A hog head. A hog head. Okay. Yeah, and we had a food fight that night in Broussard Hall in the cafeteria. Yeah, I mean look, that was the first original one and then it it just kept going. I didn't know it was still going on. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, hold on, hold on. So y'all the parable now tell them what the what 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 the parable became. What was it? What is it? Boyd Perry started this thing and it was the Monday after the last game. All the players would meet somewhere. Somewhere like where? Like well, we, we started at the White Horse and went at, at clubs. Yeah, yeah. And it was a drinking it, feast. It was. It was <laughs> it was it, so y'all just drank until you couldn't drink no more. Well, it was it was the end of the year celebration. Right, right. So you go, you find all the guys on side the on side the road. Well, no, nah, it wasn't that bad. No, we 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 knew what, what I, was I going. I don't want to tell my man Steve or Eastman, but they was pretty bad. <laughs> okay. So wow, yeah, you know, one time Boyd, uh, at one of the reunions, came up to me. We were talking about the pair. He says, "Man." Players had come up to me and said, "Your boy Perry, the originator of the Perry Bowl." He says, "Man, I'm something now." <laughs> he played linebacker. I don't know, boy Perry. You you probably wouldn't recognize him if you met him. Yes, I you. Know, I don't know the name. He played linebacker. So the, I wonder how many people know that it, there was even named after Boy Perry. I wouldn't think a lot if you didn't know. No, I mean, they just they just they call it the parable. That's Boyd Perry. Boyd. So you giving us some history. This is the original well, I mean, original I'm, Boyd Perry. I'm going to go interview Boyd. Oh, Perry. you need to. You need <laughs> to. Because his claim of fame is the is the Perry Bowl. Was he a good linebacker? Boyd was a good linebacker, and, and you know. At, I don't know how much Boyd played, um, but Boyd was a very good player. Very good player. <laughs> so just the Monday after the, the last, last game, game, Boyd said, let's go out. Let's get together and go out. And then it just mushroomed. Let's go out and do what? Well, let, let's just go meet somewhere and, and celebrate the end of the season, basically. And breaks. and then it, well, it, it just didn't, I don't think he, uh, you know, was thinking that it would mushroom into what it has become. He just organized some guys and then 
more guys and then look come on let's go and then it became what it is now <laughs> and by your senior year it was really big it was big I mean the whole team started showing it was big and y'all still go to the same two, two well, or three spots yeah it was two or three spots I, I really can't remember but it was kind of two or three spots so I, I, we appreciate this insight and this story, <laughs> how the prayer ball got started. Yeah, you know, I probably missed the last one because after the, uh, oh, after, oh, well, yeah, yeah, after the last game, I, that's when I went up to the Bob Hope show. So I missed that. Oh, I missed that oh, one. Well. So I missed the last one my senior year. Well, we're sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of glad I missed it. <laughs> because that's what's probably why you Thinking got got screwed. Uh, screwed that word. Screwed. Uh, What's that? You're thinking because you didn't have a good drink before you, before you thought this thing too, but wanted to play pro football. That no, yeah, maybe I didn't have a good, a good conversation with myself. Oh, <laughs> but but no, I mean, I I had no clue. Wow, you this. need to. I am going to. I probably know somebody who know, knows him, so I'm going to give him your number. Yeah, we go. <laughs> I'm going to give him your I got, number. I got to break over the great, that's, that's part of LSU history. So we need oh, to make yeah. sure. Okay. But, I mean, you're the first one to even talk about that. Really? I, I wow. About that. Wow. I mean, as. I didn't have no idea that was happening now. They do it now in a, in a different way. Well, that's good. It, it brings the players to back together, old players back together. Oh, I had it's no a, idea. It's a, it's a celebration they do. They do oh, I think that's great. It's really good. It's really good. Well, let me know when it happens. Yeah, they, they do it once a year, like I think they done it in, in May or June. In Baton Rouge? In Baton Rouge? Right, right there off Essen Lane. Well, you need to let me know. Okay, then, then we got to bring the real boy up here. You, I'm telling you, I'm going to get his information and, yeah, and get it to man. you. That's pretty good. Oh, man. Wow. Now, now right now, you retire. Yes. Uh, you say you do some, some private working with you and your family. How many children do you have? Uh, I have four daughters. Four daughters? Four daughters. Uh, goodness gracious. You got to give the name. Christina, Natalie, Angela, and Maria. Oh, simple name. Oh, simple name. Good Italian name. Good Italian name. <laughs> and then they're married, and they, they all together, we have nine grandchildren, Linda and myself. Okay. Six boys and three girls. Oh, that's a blessing. But you had no boys. I had no boys. I, I, I had uh, five dogs. One was a male. No, but that's the general this place. Yeah, <laughs> nothing, man. But, but, that, but that's good. And your grandchildren, they got to be a blessing. Oh, they, they are. They are a real blessing. They are. And you're still a young man, vibrant, healthy, good looking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pushing them. Yeah, I know. You're, you're very you're, kind. You're looking better. <laughs> you're very kind. Looking better. But, uh, so what, what is life like for you, for Tyler? Oh, man, look, I... I I am, I just feel blessed. I mean, I'm doing a lot of things uh, with the church, leading Bible studies. Wait, where are you attending church at? Abundant Life Church in Denham Springs. Oh, okay. My daughter is married to the pastor, Greg Beatty. To the so, pastor? Yeah, yes. Oh, okay. So they have two children, uh, 
Kate and Tyler. Kate is a volleyball player at Denham Springs and Tyler plays baseball at Denham Springs. So, you know, I do, do a lot of things with Abundant Life and lead some other small groups around. So I'm pretty active in regard to that. You also wanted to be, you know, uh, send out a lot of uh, daily scriptures and encouragements. Well, look, I appreciate you mentioning that. That started by sending scriptures to my family, my daughters, and then I started, um, you know, basically uh, being involved in physical therapy. It's, it's, you not only treat the patient physically, but you treat them mentally and emotionally. And, you know, sometimes when the door would open, you know, we talk about spiritual things. So I started uh, sending those daily devotionals to different people that wanted to be involved. And now that, that scripture, that, that daily devotional goes over, goes uh, over to 300 people. Every day. Every day. Every day. And I, I would see through our dear friend. Jay McKernan, yeah. that's right. And you know, he's got a group that he sends and he sends them to different people. I've got people in Arkansas and I mean, it's just, it's just been a blessing. And, 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 what, and so you, you and your wife sit, or you sit there and uh, write it up every day? Yeah, well, what, what, it, what has happened after year, I did it by myself for years and years, and then I said, you know, this has been a blessing to me because when you, when you sit down and you think about what God's done for your life and how you can relate it to scripture. You start really thinking about it and meditating on it and how it impacts your life to do that. So I said, you know, I'm gonna get my family to start doing it. So I said, I would like you to do these daily scriptures. Well, you know, it was a slow process, <laughs> but now I've got different people doing it every month, even former patients doing it every month. I've got a guy in Fort Smith, Arkansas doing it uh, on, in a month. And it really, it really makes you stop and meditate on, like I said, those scriptures and what it means to you and what God's speaking to you and how it's affecting your life and how you apply it to your life. And so I've kind of branched out uh, allowing different people to do each month, and I think it's meant a lot well, to people. That's be even better because you, you get other people to oh involved. To it and yeah, involved and absolutely. This one guy in Arkansas, he's got a he's got a family of forty, fifty people. His you know, he sends them to everybody up there, and so it's been a blessing. It's been a great. It's been great. So something. You just never know where God takes something. You never know. Something that simple. Just encourage your own family. Yes, Start that's what family. I said, you know. And it was one way where I wanted to just share in a different way uh, some spiritual knowledge and some application to my own family, to my daughters, my wife. And then it just branched out. And now it's to them, their husbands, their families. And so it's been good. It's been real good. Now, let, let's look at the 
2022 football season for the LSU Tigers coming up. What are, give me your prediction as far as how they going to end up, what the Rutgers going to be? Well, you know, will they play 12 games? Yeah. They play 12 games. You know, I think that they are probably, I think, I think they could go eight and four. They're probably, you know, it so much depends on the quarterback. <laughs> so, they, they, they hadn't worked that out. They haven't worked it out. It so much depends on the quarterback. I know the defense is going to be, the defensive line's, you know, very good. You know, the defensive backs, again, you don't have anybody coming back. You know, uh, the corners. So, you know, my optimistic would be eight and four. But your reality? Reality, seven, five. <laughs> You can't count them out, man. Not in Tiger Stadium. Not in Tiger Stadium. Not in Tiger Stadium. And, 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 you know that every year it's, 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 it's got the same tough teeth. Oh, ain't nobody cutting no slack. It's 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 a pride factor, you know. When you and I came, and I, I don't know about you, but you know, again, when when I was at LSU, you know, you played for people. Of Louisiana you played for your family you prayed for the college you know it wasn't you were playing for not yourself you were, you were you had a cause you know is there not a cause you know Joshua told his people you know the cause is to play to the best of your ability for the people of Louisiana who support you you know, back when we played, what was it, 68,000, 69 at the most, at the most. But they were there faithfully. Oh, my gosh. It, it's just unbelievable how faithful the LSU fan is. It's incredible. It, it, it was a uh, truly, truly wonderful experience. Oh. It, no young man or young woman uh, can, cannot imagine what it's like to have the opportunity to walk inside a, an arena arena like that and feel so much, a lot of responsibility. Yes. You know, it's a lot comes with it. Oh, I know. For the, the, the feeling of, of, uh, of you and your teammates, we come here for all these people. Yeah. And the ones we can't see. Yeah, and I mean, can you imagine going into 101 Thousand, I mean, it's unbelievable. Now, I got there, they just built that upper deck. Yeah. Okay. They did build it. Yeah. They just built that upper deck, so that was like. That was. Now, now, what what is your most memorable game that you played in? Oh, I, I have a number of them, but I guess the most memorable game would be when we beat Ole Miss seventeen sixteen. That's a good In seventy two. Yeah. That that was it. I mean, I was. You know, I was on the field, I was playing against a good player, Ben Williams. I mean, he was a good player, played for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, he was, and it was, it was, it was something. It was a great game. It was a great game. Now, who was the best player you played against? You know, it would have to be players from Alabama. 
you know, their, their defensive line, they called them the Redwood Forest, and they were huge. You know, and at that time, it was legal for the defensive linemen to swap you. Well, man, I felt like a freaking boxer, you know, trying to box it, you know. That's why I had to get under them so they couldn't use their leverage. But they were talented. They were talented. Yeah, so that was one good thing they took all, took away. Too, oh, because, absolutely. I mean, it, for, for, for real, it was giving players concussions. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I look, looking back at it now, how many concussions did you have? Multiple. But guess what? What did we say back then? Oh, just get it. Shake it off. Shake it off. <laughs> but unless you were on the field and you couldn't get up, you're going to get up and play. What's wrong? Can you see? How many fingers you see? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two. You sure? A uh, one. Okay, you're ready. <laughs> get right back up. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was like. I mean, you, you had, I, I guarantee you, multiple, multiple concussions, but you, pl you played through it. Ain't nothing of it. Oh, I know it. part of the game. It's, that's exactly now, right. Now, what was it like for you playing for uh, Charlie McClendon? Coach McClendon was, was I, I have to say, you know, looking back at him, he was a very loyal coach. He was loyal to his coaches and you know he he was he was good to his players and you know he he was he was tough and he demanded a lot out of the player and again look he was head of the LSU football program and you were part of it and you were going to play whether Bing Crosby was the coach it didn't matter you're going to play your best and so I enjoyed playing for Coach McClendon. I enjoyed playing for my position coaches. Yeah, coach Dave coach? McCarty was my uh, offensive line coach. Oh, McCarty, okay. McCarty was, yeah, he's still, he lives in Lake Charles. He, let me tell you, he was a great coach. You know, he told you what you needed to do. He respected you as a player and he he allowed you to to do what you could do, so he was a great he was a great coach for me to have. Okay, that, that, that's pretty good. You said that with a lot of heart and a lot of love. He was. I mean, he he did. He wasn't a screamer, wasn't a yeller. I didn't need that, you know. So that's what I'm saying. He was a great coach for me. Yes, I didn't. I couldn't. It doesn't do any good. It didn't work for me at all. No. No. That's what happened when I went to Atlanta. They hollered and screamed and cussed and fussed. Well, what good does that do? It doesn't do any good whatsoever. Not when you ain't teaching no techniques or anything? No. I mean, look, you're at that level because you can play. You know? You were motivated because you can play. You're not motivated because somebody's screaming at you. That's stupid. It didn't, it didn't make any sense. I wasn't used to that. You know, LSU, they didn't, they didn't do that. You know? No. When I got to Atlanta, they hollering and screaming and cussing and fussing. I know it. They're telling you to. Atlanta had this little. Uh, the field was had this little ravine next to the field. So when you when you go out 15 feet, 
You were in a valley yeah, line. You 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 going down here? Oh man! And they want you. To, they want to see you go down there. <laughs> that, that make them excited. Oh yeah, you ready? You fired up? I'm not. I ain't going down there. So I would stop. Yeah, when yeah. Play, no. Play go over there. I would stop. They get mad at me. You gotta keep on going. I'm not going down there. Oh uh, no. What purpose? I I think that's the difference between a good coach and not a good coach. A coach that could bring the best out of players and know their personality and coach uh, at that level uh, as mature people. My goodness, you didn't need to yell and scream yeah. at you. Matter of fact, it affected me so bad that mentally I shut down. And they sent me to some psychi to psychologist. First of all, they sent me to some physicians. Yeah. To find out what was wrong with me. They finally, when they sent me to the psychiatrist, said, Look, I'm telling you now, you got the same problem Robert Pennywell had. Because Robert. Wow. And uh, I said, What's that? I said, uh, They sent Robert here a couple of years ago, and I had to talk to him. And that is that you're not used to people hollering and screaming. That's exactly right. That That's exactly right. He said, That shut you down. So that work had the total opposite effect on you. I, I agree. Because you didn't need that. Yeah. They didn't care to hear it either. Like, no. You know, I don't want nobody cussing at me for what? I remember going to a practice at LSU after I played and one of the coaches that I won't mention. And, you know, their whole, their whole staff was that way. They would cuss at the players. They would holler and scream and cuss. And after about 10 minutes, I was ready to leave. Because you know what I saw going on? I saw those players, just what happened to you. They, they weren't encouraged to be at their best. It kind of brought them down to a level that they didn't perform. That it, mentally and emotionally, they weren't at their peak. And I'm telling you, that program was not successful. And I'm not going to mention the coach's name, but it wasn't successful. And I could, I could tell you why. That's exactly the reason why, you know. Yeah, you need to be teaching, training, going on. Absolutely. Taking, you know, taking, taking, taking them along. If I'm not doing something right, show me when I'm not doing it right. And show me how to do it the right way. You recruited me to play. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I never, I never understood that. I don't. The people that do it to this day, I, I don't understand. I agree with you, you know, totally. If you coach a child up. You know, I, I, no, I agree with you. Totally agree. Well, we go, you know, come to this this wonderful podcast with my dear friend Tyler Lafasa. <laughs> uh, now you say that name. Lafasi. Lafasi. Yeah, it's Italian. You got the C I at the end. That's it. You gonna say Lafasi? That's it. Like it's an E at the end. So I make the E sound. Italian, brother. I don't know many Lafasis. Well, where that family? You know, I had, uh, we, we were basically the only LaFosse family in New Orleans. It was a change all day. It would be some criminals who changed all Oh, I know. You're exactly right. <laughs> You're exactly right. So who, who, the, who the real family Well, well my, my daddy's daddy came over, and uh, he was a longshoreman and a boxer in New Orleans. And... Um, you know, we had some relatives. He had a brother and a sister. And, you know, uh, 
they they weren't of the mafia type. Let me put it that way. No, you not. No, no. So it was good. It was it was great. But there's not a lot of Lafosses. There's some in in North Louisiana somewhat. But you the only Lafosse. Uh, well, that's now, good. Uh, you you ever been to Italy? Yes, Linda and I went to Italy. It was the greatest trip we've ever been did to. You, did you visit I didn't. I did not. I did you not. Went to Italy, didn't visit with your family? We we were on a tour, you know. We were on a tour deal. Do you know so. your family up there? No, I do oh, not. Okay. I'm not connected. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Now, where where Linda family is from? Uh, her dad from England, actually. Yeah, from England. Her dad was in the military, and uh, she's got a she's got one sis, two sisters, and. Uh, Two brothers, so she's a large family. So an Italian and an English one. Yes, yes. Good combination. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I'd like to thank you for, for being here on Count Time. I'd like to thank you for giving us uh, your time today and sharing your life story, your history, and the, and the insight of, your, of how you played the game of football. <laughs> I didn't know you took it that serious. But, but thank you for being here. Lyman, look, it's been an honor and a privilege and a pleasure to be with you, buddy. I really mean that. Oh man, I, I appreciate it. You really, you showed me about it when I called you. You waste no time to respond. <laughs> absolutely. So I, I appreciate that means a lot to me. Well, that you thought enough of me to say no problem. Come on over. Absolutely, and buddy. I, and I love, I enjoy being in your lovely home over here and beautiful place. You and your family. Now you're ready to have a. A dinner with your daughter coming over with more. Amen. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna check this guy yeah, out. I hope you don't run him all with him first. Uh, we'll see. That old man's short. I can take that. <laughs> <laughs> I can take that old short man. He may think that. Oh, no, yeah, <laughs> you know, you're silent all the way around. But thank you for being on contact. Absolutely. Man can shackle the hand. Man can shackle the feet, but only you can shackle the mind. The mind is always free to travel wherever you dare to take it. Welcome to Count Time.